Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to I'ma Let You Finish listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash I'ma let you, I-M-M-A-L-E-T-U. That's betterhelp.com slash I'ma let you, I-M-M-A-L-E-T-U. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. What's up, everybody? It's I'ma Let You Finish, show number 108 with your host, Court and Ames, on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You know where we're at. Thank you, guys. It is summer. It is still Leo season. We said we were going on vacation, but a lot has happened, so we're coming back to give you one more show. Then we will see you after Labor Day, because you know what, kids? We're exhausted. And we want to have a little bit of end of summer moment where we can just say, oh, look, there's the sun. There's the churro lady. There's an icy. (laughs) Um, Eric Adams has had all the churro ladies deported. I think what he's doing is Governor Abbott is sending migrants up to New York and, 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 and Mayor Adams is putting them on that same bus and sending them down to Texas. This is just a theory I'm going with. There's just so, I just. Yeah, 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 please. Yeah, please, (laughs) please, please. We kept saying. Please. Yeah, please, please. That's all I want to say. Please. Okay, a strange thing, (laughs) a strange thing has happened. I'm back in love with Madonna again. Oh, Jesus Christ. How is that a strange thing? Well, I don't know. Because, you know, she's been driving me nuts for so long. But at this point. I've just given into it, and I'm like, you know what? Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's just okay. It must be that it's Leo season, and I'm feeling giving. I'm in a giving mood. So I've decided to give my love back to Madonna and be like, you know what, girl? I'm still here with you. (laughs) Okay. So we might have to lift a little bit of the fatwa off of her on the show. On on one person's end. (laughs) (laughs) Courtney will be doing the Madonna um, monologue. I will. I'll be doing the Madonna monologue. I'll be like, my vagina is brown. (laughs) Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right.
you want to um on a somewhat more serious note um someone who could actually sing passed away um why don't you take the um talk about you can talk about um you know miss newton john and then talk about olivia newton john i loved olivia newton john i really i don't it's just it was i was obsessed with her when i was young like and this is before greece you know i said it a million times on this show i've grown i grew up listening to country music so it's like i those country songs first I used to hear in the car with my mom all the time. And I, to me, she just had the most angelic voice. It was, listen, there's so many different types of voices. This is why I love music. It's, it's just so many different types of voices. But she really had a really, the only way I could describe her voice is pretty. It was a really pretty voice. And she could sing. To me, she had great songs. It was really weird, you know, she had the issues in the beginning because here she comes, she's doing country music. The albums weren't, you know, she was an outsider there. Well, she you had- know, I'm saying her first single was a cover of a Dylan song. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she that's an interesting way to come out of the box, right? right? right. To cover to cover Bob Dylan, who right. obviously is, is hugely important, but not, not the guy you cover right off the bat, right? An English I mean, girl raised in Australia. You know what I mean? It's a definitely a, a very... Uh, and for years, I thought for years, because she's so, you know, really identified with Australia. I had no idea that she was born in the United Kingdom for years. And then the family moved to Australia when she was like old. You know, same thing with the Bee Gees. Remember, I think we were talking about them. I had no idea they were born in the UK and moved over to Australia. Because, you know, for certain people, they're so identified with the region. And she really is identified with Australia. And I think I was aware of Australia because of Olivia Newton-John. And just those early, well, me, I was young, you know, young, young kid in New York. Like, I didn't, you know, you know, you see things on the map. But now I was able to see someone who... Was, you didn't like koala bears when you were a kid? That's how I just no, yeah, I, I, no, I wanted I really a koala bear as no, a child. Mm-hmm. I got to say, I did want a koala bear. But I'm sorry. Go on about Olivia. Uh, no, you know, I just, uh, I never got to meet her. I, I have several people who, you know, worked in talent have met her. And of, you know, listen, you, you and I both know this. There are a lot of people that people love that are not really good people. And there are a lot of people that people love that are really complicated people. A lot of our heroes are complicated. I never heard anybody say a bad word about Olivia Newton-John. I had to work with her in any kind of capacity, ever. It's like, that's such a rarity in entertainment, really, to have everyone feel like, wow, this actually was a truly, genuinely nice person. So she will be missed, you know? I think that... um there are a lot of singers that were inspired by her, and you can see by the outpouring of love, and 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 especially Australian singers. You know, they really looked up to her, and you just see how all the people who sang with her, performed with her, really loved her. And you know, she'll be missed, and I'm going to miss it. But the music lives on. That's the good thing about music; it's here forever. Okay, um, on a sort of opposite spectrum in terms of being uh, a songwriter, Lamont Dozier. 
passed away. Lamont Dozier was one, he was an, uh, a songwriter and a performing artist on his own right, but he was one third of Dozier Holland Dozier, which was the one of two hit making machines, songwriting and production machines at Motown at its height. And I don't even think we'd have enough time to list every song that this man I mean, had a seriously. hand in. But if he did nothing else but Bernadette, he would deserve, you know, a standing in the shadows of love. Frida Payne's Band of Gold, which I did not know, and he wrote under a pseudonym. He was also a solo artist in his own right. So, I mean, just... You know, there were many songwriters, house songwriters at Motown. It was very much a factory in the best sense of the word, Smokey Robinson being one of them. Um, but Holland, Dozier Holland, I mean, it, it they, they composed the soundtrack. You think of the Motown sound, you're thinking Holland, Dozier and Holland. And all those basically. Supreme songs. You know? Right, yeah, all Baby those- Love and Come See About Me. But like I said... For standing in the shadows of love, I mean, it's just good that the temps, the end, they wrote for everybody. So that just shows, you know, their their um, their ability to sort of inhabit the the soul and the direction of each artist. But again, if he did, if they did nothing else but Bernadette, they they deserve to be just um, exalted. I, I and so anyway, so he. He passed away last week as well. Just, just a remarkable, remarkable uh, talent, and those songs are a part of the American song canon forever. I mean, just amazing songs. I mean, just amazing that anybody could sing. Even people who can't sing can sing those songs. But I thankfully, mean- but thankfully, people who can't sing don't sing those songs. <laughs> but really, anybody could sing that song and make it uh, those songs because they're just brilliant, brilliant songs. Anyway. Um, and then E.C. Miyake, who was what they call the, the Prince of Pleats. I mean, you listen, that man, I to me now, I became aware of him because in the 80s, I feel like in New York downtown, like E.C. Miyake was the uniform, you know what I mean? For a lot of the cool kids, it was the uniform. And Grace Jones had that period of performing. And she'd be wearing all of this very theatrical, very fierce Isi Miyake. And I've seen some pictures of Jean-Paul Basquiat in Isi Miyake. You know, there was definitely that period of, of New York where he was the man. And that's when I became aware of him. Very important Japanese designer. And Jody Watley, that plastic yeah. that in the Don't You Want Me? The, the, the breastplate. Yeah. The, like, breast, you know, the, the mm-hmm. thing. You know, that I did not know. I just read this that he was, you would think just looking at it, it's just any old Turner but he designed Steve Jobs, the turtleneck that Steve Jobs <laughs> famously was his uniform. Because mm-hmm. I'd look at it and go, he got picked that up at Sears or whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, that's E.C. Miyake. I mean, he mm-hmm. was one of those in, in the 80s and 90s when this, or probably late 70s, or when this wave of Japanese designers came who were French influenced, but very avant-garde. And now the stuff that they did is just regular, you know, part of fashion. But yeah, right. no, like a great, like a really innovative, um, and you know how when something is successful, when you see it duplicated for fast fashion, and his yep. stuff was duplicated, those yep. pleats, you saw them everywhere. Um, so yeah, so rest in peace to all three of these people who in their own way, in in varying degrees, you know, changed the culture 
in in, Absolutely. in 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 many ways. All right, you can talk about Serena because um well, well I mean this time she is gonna do something we said. We talked about we were so excited about her playing and then she crashed and burned. So this time she is returning. Well, I don't know if it's crash and burn or if it's like, you know, the one thing that's with every that we all have in common is time and age is just what it is. And Serena Williams has nothing else to prove. She's she's decided that this is her, these last few weeks are it. And then she's transitioning on to other things. Very smart that she let us know that she started a venture capital firm years ago. So I love that, that she, that her businesswoman Serena hat has always been in place. And, you know, she, they put that announcement out that she was retiring and, t- and sales. Evolving, excuse me, evolving. evolving. Yeah, yes, yes. yes. And, and, and well, listen, she wants to have another kid and she almost died the first time. So I absolutely understand. She said, I do not want to be pregnant and an athlete at the same time again. How old I just is she? don't want to do it. 40, 41. Oh, she better get cracked. 41. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the deal. She th- she said that her daughter looked at her and was like, I want a, I, I want a sister. And she's just kind of like, oh, oh. I just you know? hope she stops doing those migraine ads. I find them just so, it's like, you're Serena Williams. Why are you dragging your kid in front of the camera doing migraine ads? That's I will it. tell you why, because I've had some uh, people, friends. But an amazing have, athlete, obviously. Well, well you know? I have friends who have clients who, who, who do some of those ads for like a uh, medicine and usually they use them. I will say that yeah, usually yeah. they use them and evidently the checks that they cut are hard to say no to for some people because yeah. you know, pharmaceuticals have a lot of money and oh, yeah. they, and evidently those checks are very like, I would never do this. How much? Wow. My head really hurts today. <laughs> you know listen she's an icon and you know i usually get invited to the u.s open and i go every year i hope i get to see her one of the days that i'm there and um we love her and she is a legend and yes she was playing in the north bank open and she lost in the second round yesterday toronto showed her so much love so much love so much love. And we all love her. And I think that uh, the U.S. Open is going to be really exciting this year because, let's face it, her first ever Grand Slam was the U.S. Open. And New York just loves her. And I listen, she's a wonderful lady. I've had dinner with her. I've hung out with her. She's really, really great. I'm very happy for her. And, you know, she, to me, is a female Shaquille O'Neal. She will be even bigger in retirement from her sport than when she was even playing. But unlike Shaquille, she didn't try rapping. And for that, we are thankful. Thankful. Full. Well, now he's a DJ. <laughs> of course he is. Yes, of course. Mistake. Playing all over the world. DJ Diesel. Yeah. He plays move on, EDM. Move on. Play- Please move on. Wait. Please move oh, no, on. no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> An EDM DJ. Oh, of course. Sorry. Sorry. How stupid of me. I should have known. I should have. I, that should have been implied. <laughs> my Dios, man. Girl, yeah. Girl. It's uh, like I had a friend of mine who was saying to me during Pride, he said, you know, he was like, I'm booking my Pride gigs. He was like, it's bad enough, you know, I'm really competing with, you know, all these DJs from all over the world. He said, but now I got all these fucking 
the, the drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race who are now all like, I'm a DJ, and they're getting these bookings that I was supposed to get. And I was like, are you really, do you feel like you're competing with them? And he was like, for some, some of these gigs, yeah. It's like, it, it's crazy now that everybody can have a computer program and be, I'm a DJ. And I was like... I, I kind of understand where that would be frustrating. Like, this is your crap. You've been doing it for years. And now, you know, you're going to have to fight for these gigs with somebody who's coming with a built-in audience because they were on television. You know. The life of, the life of working in nightlife, honey. It's a dirty, dirty, dirty game. That's why I don't go out. <laughs> There's nothing to see. All right, Kevin Durant's an asshole. Next. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm looking at any team like, well, why would you trade for him? Because I wouldn't give up all my pieces for somebody. I wouldn't who, give up my coach. I don't care how good everybody says he is. Everybody skips the fact that Kevin Durant has played with everybody. He has played with everybody at all the stages of their career, when they were young and hot. When they were, right, right. He's, he doesn't want to be a leader. Because no. Brooklyn could be his team. He could be like, this is what we're doing. You're right. asking to fire the coach that you told them to hire. To hire. Right. <laughs> Who is you? I mean, am I wrong in that Steve Nash is one of the, like, we really like him. He's a good guy type of guy. He's not like a, you know, like somebody who's all, problematic. I've never heard years, anything negative about and Steve And in the last Nash. two years, they've had to deal with injuries. You got injured. Kyrie's been injured so much. Then Kyrie didn't, wasn't able to play because of that. All of this shit. And it's like, you want somebody to trade away the house for you when you've shown you're not loyal? And two, I think if I was Brooklyn, I'd be like, fine, don't play. You signed last year for four years. Are you going to not play for four years? Because I'll let you sit for those four years. Because then what's your shit going to be? It's like, I love that athletes get to have a power in what they want to say and do. But I'm also one of those people who feels like if you make a commitment, at least try to pretend to honor that shit. It's like you made a commitment, you signed on for another four years, and now all of a sudden you're like, I want to leave. You signed on for four years. Why can't you Why can't you lead a team? Don't ask them to bring in a coach. They do. Now you want him fired. It's like, dude, they... I, Part of me loves it because you and I are Knicks fans. And when the Nets were coming yeah. and all F- shit, like, everybody like, was like, keep it going, guys. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going, Brooklyn. Keep, They're bringing keep, all the funk. Keep, You're going to love it. Keep that same energy, gonna, Brooklyn. Right. Keep that same energy, Brooklyn. There's Just be, twirl yourself into honey, a circle, you know? There's going to be banners <laughs> hanging up. There's yeah. going to be yeah, finals. And it's like, it has been nothing but drama and dramatic. Yeah, keep it going, So welcome to New York. Yeah, yeah, I know. Whatever. And talk to me when y'all got a ring. Yeah, no, whatever. I mean, he's just annoying at this point. Um, the arrogance of men. You do what I want you to do or I'm going to leave. I would just go <laughs> fine, leave. Here's your check. But, Here, oh, oh, but, would, but, you but like, would you like some nachos while you're sitting on the bench? No, Here, I have the better part. I'd be like, you're not going anywhere. You just signed up for four years, so you can choose not play. Sit. But you yeah. can do whatever you want, but we're going to do what we're going to do over here. Right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, whatever. All right, you can take, you know, uh, uh, Beyonce. Listen, I think it's, we have to. I, I, I think no, that, you have to give her credit. This is a major listen, career. This achievement. This is a which, major achievement. She's right, got you, the the grand slam, right? And you always talk about how hard it is for women, how hard it is for women over forty. So yes, pop radio, and I have said this a million times on the show, and I don't think people realize it. Pop radio has not been hugely supportive of Beyonce in years 
years. Right. All of the records that ever you and I talk about love on top, countdown, things was like, why wasn't that the thing? Halo, Halo. Hey, um well Halo oh, was a hit. That was yeah, okay, but love but, on top and yeah, countdown. It's countdown like, should have been a hit. I mean, there's you know no, what I'm saying? Uh, right. I love that song. But for her, she finally has a number one, a solo number, her first solo number one on the hot 100 since single ladies. That is literally. And her first break with Break My Soul. Break My Soul was her first top 10 on the, you know, in the, on the pop radio chart. And now number one since Sweet Dreams. So this is all the I Am Sasha Fierce album, you know? So I'm happy for her. She has the number one album basically in the world, the number one single in the United States, the number one on the radio chart. It's her first time having that triple. So congratulations, Beyonce. We're happy for you. And, uh, And she did it without the gimmicks. That's nice for her marketing. The gimmick, and I'm not disrespecting because, yeah, she changed. But it's nice to kind of like, gee, maybe the old school way actually works sometimes. And Right. To have, there was a marketing plan. There was a traditional rollout. And with no visuals. Yeah. Not a visual. So I like that. Bring people back to the music. This is music meant to be listened to. Bring it back to the music and then you come. Don't do it the other. And I'm not dissing that, but there's something nice about it. It shows the power of it, right? Yeah. Just let people enjoy the music without And Columbia is like one, two, three. They're just, I don't know. Columbia is sitting back like, they're just like Harry Styles. Beyonce, Adele, Adele Lil yeah. Nas X, yeah. uh, the kid Leroy. They are sitting back just this thing. They're like, the yeah, Christmas I mean, bonuses are going to be- Somebody gets a bonus. Yeah, you get a bonus. And yeah, yeah, really. Christmas God, bonuses damn. are going to be lit in Columbia. Yeah. Maybe they hired somebody over the age of 40 to work there. <laughs> Something. 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 You know what I mean? Something. All right. So this is, all right, this is like a weird one. All right. So Talib Kweli. This is Kweli. a super weird one. Okay. So Talib Kweli, who is, okay, so you're talking about nice guys. He's a nice guy. I've met him. He's very mm. talented. I mean, he mm. is widely considered one of the best lyricists in terms of contemporary in the last 20 years in hip hop. I mean, Jay-Z mm. famously said, I wish, you know, if truth be told, I'd be, you know, Talib Kweli mm. in one of his songs. Um. And he's a nice guy. I've met him. He's interviewed. He's perfectly nice. Blah, 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 blah. He, but he is not nice on social media. And Evidently, he, I had no, no idea. No, he gets a little <laughs> hotepy on, right. um, on social media. And a, f- a couple of years ago, he got into a back and forth on Twitter, which we all know is not the optimum way Did to have a Did you know about it when it was happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember reading okay. it. Okay. I, I, mm. I remember reading it. Um. Mm. Not that I read Twitter a lot, but I mean, he was just, I would hear about it and then people would, um, I was reading the comments, people talking about it. Cause it was like mm. something he would say and then you'd read it like in gossip, you know, stuff, you know? Right, right. Um, so he, he kind of was having this back and forth with a then 24 year old young, but you know, obviously young black woman who was a, a writer and an activist. All right. So mm-hmm. we'll first talk about the fact that it's highly inappropriate for a man in his forties to be even going like, she's a kid. She's well, 24 a kid. is an adult. 24 is an adult though. That's an adult. Like you should, should you be going back and forth? No, but she is an adult. Right. And if she's well, a writer and an activist, she's an adult. So 
when right. we talk about age, it does get tricky when somebody is an adult, right? But it's a 44. Why are you arguing with the 24? Well, that's what I'm, that's my point. Like, you're arguing like, you're with someone who's old you enough. Even, right. Whatever he was in. Anyway, so it just got very, very nasty and it was, and it was gen- de- degenerating into insult on his part and, right. and just basic sexist, misogynist, hotepi, you know, bullshit. All these men, men who are so good on all these issues. It's amazing right. how misogynist <laughs> Quick, they How quickly be. they roll, people slide right yeah. to the lowest yeah, level, right? Right, right. <laughs> it, you know, because it's only a woman. Anyway, because of all that, he was bumped off of Twitter. Okay. Permanently. So, yeah, permanently. So you know you got to be. Which bad. Meant, it had to be bad. Whatever he was. It saying, had to be bad. Out, I mean, I think. I, I mean, I think there was getting to be a level of like just like, and it was upset. All right, so cut to Jezebel, which is a woman centric um, website. Mm-hmm. Jezebel wrote about th- what happened. They didn't make anything up. This is mm-hmm. factual stuff. They were writing about because it was a big deal. He's a major star. This is a big deal. He is now suing Jezebel <laughs> because he says that the article. Now he did lose bookings. He did. He did lose some bookings. Um, he is for three hundred thousand dollars, which really isn't a lot of money, actually. Um, in all things considered, and Jezebel's part of Gawker, and Gawker has always been was also anyway. He's suing them for emotional distress for writing about something that he did to somebody. So that's why it's weird because it, it no one is contesting, right? Am I wrong? No one's contesting no. the basic facts of this story. He was in this thing with this woman. She didn't like it. He was pulled off Twitter. At the end. He's con- he's angry that someone did a story on it. Well, so the I weird part. It. No, it's very weird, and it seems like, and he's he's. It seems like maybe neither does any lawyer because he's filed a suit per se for himself, and evidently, who knew his brother is Jamal Green, who's like a very noted and very well-known constitutional law professor at Columbia well, University. Well, no, he's like, Tlaib is like a super smart. His mom right. ran Nakuro Books. That was so, his mom, you know? So you he's know like what, right. super smart dude. So that's know? this sounds like, to me, one of those people who are very smart but has no self-awareness to understand them writing about Doing this is not what caused you to lose bookings. You cost you to lose bookings. It was an action. You're a famous person. It was reported on. You were kicked off the platform. Everything you wrote and said to this young woman was clearly there for people to see. And that cost you jobs. Right. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's a weird one. It's like it. It's like uh, he's not suing Twitter. He's suing no. Jezebel. That's what's weird to me. You know, and it's very odd. And it's very I don't know. People just I think people have a lot of too too much free time in their hands. Well, and, I mean, I, I mean, it's uh, I mean, yes, that is true. But I just, why are you like filing said, a just, suit against somebody who wrote an article about who wrote the story? So clearly right. he has too much free time on his hands because and that is somebody sitting around being angry and this displaced anger instead of being able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I fucked up. It's easier to kind of place that anger someplace else and be like, you caused this to happen to me as opposed to my actions had consequences. Well, a woman run site. I mean, he clearly has an issue with women. 
you know, they're not the first site to write about it. I didn't read it on Jezebel. I read it other places. So, I mean, you know, gee, men who have an issue with women. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's too bad because he is a nice guy. And it's it's always, you know, I don't know. I just find it very an odd story. And it it's also very happened odd. many years ago. Like, that, you're the one who's brought it back up again. The thing. You know? It's like, <laughs> wait, when did this? Wait. Like three we, years ago. Like what? Pre-COVID. For sure pre-COVID. Right. For sure pre-COVID. So I'm like, like I had forgotten about it. <laughs> I mean, is he feeling like that's, maybe he feels like this is why I'm not getting booked now, but I mean. I mean, um, I don't know. There could they, be a lot of reasons why you're they not didn't, If they me. didn't book every man who treated who treated women like shit, there would be- Nobody would be, be on the road. Nobody would be on the road. You'd be fucking Melissa Etheridge with a guitar, and I'm sure she's treated women like shit, too. I'm sorry. Allegedly. No, I'm just saying, you know, like there would be I'm no- I'm just going to follow up everything with an allegedly. I'm saying, I'm sure. That, I know. That, that, yes. That's, I get it. But, you know, I'm saying, like, come on, really? Like, oh, this is going to be the one guy who's going to be punished for being a dick? Mm-hmm. I mean, please, you know? I mean, we have people mm-hmm. who have been credibly accused of rape who are earning a check, and nobody seems to care, you know? Anyway, so, all right. So you you always talk about me don't like people. You don't like Frank Ocean, for sure. You like the first okay. two records. You like no. the fr- you like okay. a, Nostalgia Ultra. That's not fair. You like Nostalgia Ultra, which I love, mm-hmm. and you like Channel Orange most of it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just okay. None of Blonde. You don't like. It any is of not that I don't like Frank Ocean. I just don't understand the level of reverence people have. I just I just don't. Yeah. I don't see it that way. I don't think he's a savior or something. I think his music is fine, but yeah. it's never touched me in this way that I see people, the way they talk about him and the way, you know, he's held in such a high regard. And I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. Can somebody just tell me why? Because I don't I think see a lot it. of it. I think a lot of it is that he coming out as queer as a black artist who was working in R&B late, that, that gave him a lot. Of, and I do think Nostalgia Ultra was great, but um, and I do think Channel Orange was really good, and I do think Parts of Blonde. But the reason we're talking about him is that he has not made music in a while, and he's got to design a high-end luxury brand called Homer. Mm-hmm. Homer? Mm-hmm. And so he's putting a cock rings and I don't know why anybody cares. Good. People, people do all sorts of side projects. He's a gay man. He wants to put out like anybody's going to put $25,000 for a cock copper. ring. I mean, yay. I mean, people, musicians do fashion and weird Kind of stuff all the time, right? I hate cop rings. One, well, I've I don't never, need one. I've never they're come into. I don't know what. Yeah, they're I don't not know comfortable what they do. to me. And it's, well, for the original purpose of them, sometimes this could be fetish for some people. Is if you have low blood circulation and you need oh. some help mm. keeping your know, getting your keeping your penis around. Oh, I get it. It's like a it tourniquet. Because what like it a does tourniquet. Is, it goes. You put your um, male love, member. And the love sack through it, right? So as you Ew. get hard, it's around. Seriously? The, yes, it's at the base, so it's kind of pressed against uh, your body. So it's like so when it gets hard, it helps to keep the blood and keep uh, that pressure. In. So people who might have like any sort of erectile issues, that uh, it can kind of help uh, with that. So, but they're uncomfortable to me. 
It's a fetish for a lot of people. All right, which is cool. I mean, so he's making good. Yay. You know, I... I, you know, and I have now learned how they work because I had a completely different visual and how they mm-hmm. work. And that's all I've always go. That doesn't sound like it's any fun. Well, you know, not for some what, people, it's not what fun. you said, not what you yeah, said, yeah. what I thought they were. Right. Then. Uh, I was like, that sounds like the opposite of fun. Actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And you have some people who really turned on by them, have a collection yeah. of them and love them. So I'm sure there's somebody who's going to say, yeah. I'm going to buy this 20 yeah. and they probably won't wear it, but it's one of those pieces that you buy and you have and it's part it's of your like collection. a fe- it's like if people are fetishes collecting like yeezys what's the mm-hmm. difference you know mm-hmm. like said you'll probably wait you're never going to wear those damn yeezys if they cost twenty five thousand dollars i hope I know, I, right? I know people who are avid sneaker collectors that have great sneakers that have never touched a foot or or no. the ground no no they did they did the they did sock them immediately they're it's just hilarious. like oh my god i love these so much have you worn them well no yeah i know they're and like NF- the- they're nfts before they were nfts and, and i'm one of those people's like all sneakers are meant to be worn like to me that's yeah. just what it is they yeah, go on my I mean, feet and that's yeah. it yeah that's care. why their foot wear wear <laughs> being the operative yeah i'm like why did you buy this just to look at it like um all right so james all right james <laughs> James Franco should not be cast <laughs> in any movie. It's like any movie. I don't care if he's playing a woman. I don't care if he's playing a marshmallow. I don't care. James Franco has been credibly accused of sexual assault multiple times. So there's that. But it's Hollywood, so who cares? So James Franco has been cast to play the role of Fidel Castro. Uh, in an upcoming movie, John Leguizamo, who I really do love. I love John Leguizamo. I think he's like super talented and cool. And Jan- John Leguizamo has been uh, an advocate for Latino art um, actors to, you know, so you don't have like, um, y- you know, like in the, the person who is not Latino. Like you don't have Natalie Wood playing Maria. You have someone who is who is Latino. So he has said that this is BS, that James Franco is not Latino, that he is not Cuban. But this is where it gets really, because now everybody is like dig diving. First off, he is an actor, right? I mean, John Languizamo has played Italians before, that right? In S- Summer of Sam um, and Super Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jane, so of course, because people have nothing better to do, as you say, they have too much time on their hands. Turns out James Franco is part um, what do you call it? Portuguese, which is not mm-hmm. Latino. I'm not saying he's Latino. That's European, but, right? Right, but Fidel Castro was Spanish. His family was from Spain. Uh... So Fidel Castro is not. Now, many people in many Latin American countries can trace their roots to Spain because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, right. many. I mean, across right. the board. It's not like... But that Fidel Castro, by uh, what we would consider a Latino, he is not a Latino. Like Javier Bardem is not Latino. He is European, right? So um, uh, what's her face? Um, Salma Hayek, I believe. No, she's Mexican. She's She's Mexican. Mexican Mexican and Lebanese. But the point is that so now it gets like we're going this granular on it where we're going to do like ancestry DNA before – 
I well, I think it's how he presents, right? He's never presented as Latino. And it, in, in la, Latino, I mean, Latin. And what I do think is... You're talking about... Cap, uh, um, uh, James Franco. But he's not. That's what I'm right. saying. He, he's so, he's so, European. Right. So when these opportunities come along to do something, and you already feel like there's so few leading roles to cast, uh, 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 you know, an actor of, of any sort of Latin descent, and then it goes to somebody like a James Franco. Right. You're like, well, wait a minute. You say that there's no, you can't cast us in these different things. Now you're making a movie about a, a Latin culture, and you could, of all the actors, you're going to right. go with James Franco. It's like, can we have a shot at least at a movie where you're? Well, I think us? you you said the right thing. It's, I mean, all right, so. Fidel might not be Fidel Castro's lineage might not be Latin, but he is certainly representational of Latin American culture. Yeah. So while his grandparents may or his mom may be from Spain and he may be European, he is certainly when people say Fidel Castro, they don't go, well, Oh not yeah, Latin noted. American, but they Latin. don't go noted yeah. European right, uh right. revolutionary Fidel. So yeah, on that and I mean I yeah, so I think that's where it gets problematic. It's not only just the DNA strain, it's the representation. You know, how about I mean? giving it, an actor a shot of Cuban descent who lives in America? You know what Or I mean? how about not booking James Franco for anything? Because yeah. James Franco, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I like James Franco. I think he's a good actor. But it, I, as far as I'm concerned, he has worn out his welcome. You know, he's a predator, in my opinion. But he is he is paid. He has you know paid what? off I, people. I right? haven't asked you this, so I'm going to ask you now and catch yes, you off guard. Uh, what do, I need to know, what do you think of the Deshaun Watson situation? Oh, he needs to be banned for life. Are you kidding me? Banned I mean, as a woman, how do, you, how do you feel about him getting like the big contract guarantee? Oh, it's bullshit. I mean, I don't follow football, as you know, but or uh, it's absolute bullshit. If he worked at if he worked at Carvel, they wouldn't even let him in the door. And he has it structured so that he got certain amount of money, right? Isn't the, the isn't one the contract million, stri- th- right? One yeah. million this year, so it was, yeah, like, no, really shady, very yeah, really shady. shady. And it's, the NFL has some people will say smart, and other people will be no, like, it's yeah, cre- no. I mean, it's, it's the it's the it's the act of a guilty person. You know what I mean? It's somebody who knows that they're going to get caught at some point. No, it's horrible what he did. The NFL, as as we've discussed this. You know what is- my father told me as a cop when I was young? He said, he's very young. He said, innocent yeah. people don't have anything to defend. Right, exactly. He said, let me tell you something about every innocent person when you're dealing with this. They're not defending something because they don't have something to defend. Yeah. And they usually, they will, you, you can tell usually when somebody's giving you the truth and when you're questioning because guilty people will try to put certain things in place a lot of times to protect themselves. Right. Innocent people are just telling you. Innocent. They'll tell you exactly what happened. Because they're innocent. Yeah. And when I look at him, and I really liked Deshaun Watson, I did, but I'm looking at him saying, I don't know what happened. But that's a lot of women that you just Well, I think, can I say. That's a lot of women and and when people are saying they looked at the evidence and they're saying that it was predatory that sounds really it just he's guilty i don't know i'm like 
So you're going to put him on the field and do you, are women supposed to clap for him? I mean, well, I know women and no, men. I know there was, no, right, but I'm just thinking because the NFL has a lot of female friends, you know what I mean? And and I'm thinking, what are you saying to 50% of your fans? What are you saying to them? Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure, I'm trying to reconcile what that is. Because the, or so supposedly uh, Roger Goodell, you know, wants to suspend him, but he also handed it over to an independent arbitrator. Look, the NFL is horrible on domestic abuse, is horrible on domestic violence. They look the other way for these guys because they're good athletes and they should, this shouldn't have even gone to anything. It should have been like, you're gone. Nobody who breaks the law should be allowed a credible law. I'm not talking about somebody caught with weed. All right. Nobody who beats up their girlfriend or their boyfriend should be allowed to play sports. Boom. Ton off. Right. It's a, it's a, he's very talented, but no, this is no horrible. I mean, it's just, it's actually disgusting. It's an insult. You know, they'll do little PSAs about domestic violence and then they, no, ooh, boo. Me no likey. And I don't even think we have to say like alleged anymore. At some point it's like, come on, man. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, like how much alleged, you know? Well, no, because here's the thing. He's never been convicted of a crime. Two grand juries, that refused to bring any charges. So most of these things were civil. He settled 23 out of the 24 cases. That's a lot of like guilt money, right? (laughs) And then the Houston Texans had to settle, yes, his team, because the team evidently gave him an NDA, structured NDA form for him to give to women. So they were then, they were culpable. They settled I believe 30 cases and had to pay people. So, you know, it's, it's, I have a lot of questions on both sides of this story. If I can be honest with you, I really, really do. But I'm looking at him like, I'm not ready to see you. That's how I feel. Yeah. Just like when Will Smith did that apology, I was like, I'm still not ready to see you actually. Yeah. Well, this guy is a, a, a criminal. So, I like I said I don't watch football. Right. I think I would never let my kid play football. I think I mean it's Super Bowl fun. I think it's but this guy's guilty. I don't need to see the bruises on people's faces. You know, Chris Brown is guilty. He should not have he should not be recording anymore. You know, you beat up a woman you shouldn't have a contract. That's it. It's really simple. I mean, you're beating up a you're or a kid or an well, anybody if you're gay and you beat up your party, you shouldn't. I mean, Hope Hope Solo should no longer be allowed to do this. I mean, she's a mess too, you know. So I say boo, boo to that. Anyway, anything else? Anything? Any, any other? Can I speak for women again? You know, you know me. I'm gonna always, pretty much, always well, side with the no, girls listen. unless they're rep- unless they're Republicans. That's why I asked you to. to, yeah. I, wanted to I wanted to hear because we never because you know we kind of. We've both been really disgusted by that whole situation, and we just did not even want to go there. But yeah. I was like, let me ask her what she actually thinks about this situation. Yeah, no, no, I've been sitting back disgusting. watching, thinking that it all feels quite tone deaf. When I hear everybody arguing about the amount of games he should be suspended, I keep thinking that, you know, you guys don't, we don't have the real information, and the people who've seen the evidence are saying something really different. And I don't think you should have to see that 
because there are real women involved here who are alive and well. And I, I think they're being treated as an afterthought in the circus of it all. But I digress. Anyway, you know, listen, it is summer. It's the summer of dance, according to the press, even though, fun fact, kids, dance music never went away. House music never went away. House music artists and producers and DJs have been partying and making records and performing all over the world. So Amy and I decided, since we're taking a couple of weeks off, yes, kids, we will see you after Labor Day. Um... Let's talk about some of our favorite dance records, uh, older school, any kind, that uh, I think people should listen to, and um, you can start. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I kind of took dance music in a very loose way as opposed mm-hmm. to music I yeah, like yeah. to, mm-hmm. as opposed to music I used, I like to dance to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So the first one I did was Mothership Connection, uh, Parliament, mm-hmm. 1975, because like, Every time you put that album on, um, you dance. And if you don't dance, you don't get your ass off the dance floor and go do something else. So it's great. You know, it's, it's I guess, the, the you know, P-Funk wants to get funked up, tear the roof off the sucker. That's the the hit. But my favorite song on the album is Unfunky UFO. I love mm-hmm. that song so much. But, um, yeah, Partnership Connection parlorship connection that's a weird mothership connection and that's where you get the mother you know it's like probably their best known record because that's when mm-hmm. they would reunite they had the mothership come down but um i used to listen to that record when i was in high school with my loser boyfriend mm-hmm. and we would watch nick games on what was it channel nine or channel 11 mm-hmm. and turn the volume off and smoke weed and listen to mothership connection Nice. So I love that record. So I haven't listened to it in a while, but I mean, that to me was like, you put that on and everybody was dancing. You, sir? Well, I'm going to go with Queen of the Night, the album by legend, the legend Lolita Holloway. Now, people know Lolita and they know that voice. She's one of the most sampled voices in dance music. The thing is, I don't think people realize Lolita Holloway was an album artist. She was not like just dropping singles. All of those songs you love come from Lolita Holloway albums. This album in particular is, you know, this is classic, late disco, early house, catch me on the rebound. I may not be where, I might not be there when you want me, but I'm right on time. Mama don't, Papa won't, you know, good, good feeling. It's like, she just, that voice, her version of You Light Up My Life is on this album. Lolita Holloway is one of those artists to me that is unsung to the general public, but they all know her voice because it has been sampled so many times between Black Box and just every other kind of dance record. Is she the woman? I'm sorry. Is that the Arthur? What's the famous Arthur? Not Wax the Van, but she she's on our Arthur Russell track too because I know she's Good Vibrations, right? Is that her and Black Box? No, that that, that you're talking about Jocelyn Brown. Is Thank good you. Good Vibration. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. But she Yeah, her voice is you know Black Box. It, it yes, is, of course. No, you will know Lolita Holloway. You know her songs. You yeah. know that voice. She sings Love Sensation. Love oh, Sensation. Yeah. You know that voice. Yeah. Yeah. But this is one of her albums, and it's a really good old school black. It reminds me of like 
all the stuff where Renaissance is coming from, that era, Better Days nightclub, tracks, Midtown, Midtown 43, bitch. I want to know when, when you guys hear this show, if you remember Midtown motherfucking 43, leave us a note on one of our social media. You know where you can find us on the Twitter at Finish Iba, on Facebook, I'm going to let you finish, on, on, on Instagram, I'm going to let you finish NY. You can leave a comment on uh, I'm going to let you finish podcast on motherfucking Miss TikTok. I want to know if you remember Midtown 43. You are gay, black, and of a certain age. Because then you would have known moi, Renee, Miss Honey, and those, all of those, those, those two. And, uh, and I want to, I want to cram another one in here. Mark. Well, I Anth- have other one. I have another one. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, hold on. Yeah. Mark Anthony, like we're not ending the show. Mark Anthony's first, Mark Anthony's first album. Mar- it's Mark Anthony and Louis Vega together, uh, Paul. Right when on the when the when the night is over and ride yeah. on the rhythm is on there, there's house music on. This was when Mark only did one dance album, and and Tito Puente is on there, which is where he started performing with Tito. Is he switched over to salsa and just really blew up? But his first album is a freestyle and house music and Latin music album. Very good and record. It's so good, and no one ever talks about that record anymore but if you want to have a if you want to throw back to a moment in new york and what new york clubs felt like put that album on no mark anthony was great mark anthony Mm -hmm. was the guide he used to do like the 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 guide vocals vocals for a lot for for tkaa for a lot lot, of people a lot of house music artists he was also the session singer singing backgrounds on so many of those early masters at work records and india records yeah no he's he he's a he's one of my i sometimes think you know the five great voices in contemporary Mm -hmm. music and he is definitely up there in the in the in the great voices yeah he can really 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 he can really really sing sing, you know um all right, so I'm going to pick ESG, um, oh. and it's weird because they okay. So they had like an EP that came out in 1981, mm-hmm. um, which had Moody, You're No Good, and UFO. But then their oh. album actually came out about two years later. And what's interesting about right, Bill Coleman first, worked on that was one on Pow Wow, right when it no. came out. It's on um the it's on um well it was factory records and ninety nine mm-hmm. records. Gotcha. Um the power one may have been later, but mm-hmm. so everyone thought because they had signed to with Martin Hannett, who was associated with factory records and with um magazine and groups like that, that they were British. They were not British, they were from the South Bronx. The ESG stands for Emerald, Sapphire, and Gold. They formed in nineteen seventy eight. They are the Scroggins sisters, and then their cousin Tito. Well, you remember, um, you remember the gag this thing when we saw them, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I thought that the ESG, because I'd never seen them, was just like some producer unit that hired some vocalists. And you were like, "No, that's them. They're <laughs> sisters, and they're from the Bronx." And I was like. Are you fucking kidding? Well, that's not the original. I mean, to right, that, that is like two original, of them. Right, right. But ESG were sisters. They yeah. were very young. It's very rudimentary. It's very mm. stripped down. It's very. Um, you could not go to a club in New York City in the in the early eighties without hearing ESG. Especially I heard them, Moody. Especially I heard Moody. them. 
I heard them the first time at the Mud Club. So that's the kind of range they had. They were playing clubs in the Bronx, and then they're playing hurrahs in the Mud Club to a very, very downtown scene. And then they were 99 Records. So, yeah, 1981 um, is there. But, I mean, Mooney... But there's there's something almost alternative about them in in a way. It's really funk. And it's it's I get why they would play those kind of venues downtown because their sound is so dope, but it didn't sound like anything else that well, was coming out. Well, it was very stripped down. It was very yeah. stripped down, and at that time you had the post punk sound going on, which was a very bass heavy, stripped down sound. But UFO is the most sam- one of the most sampled songs, yeah, absolutely um, ever. So you know them. So I I would just say that they I've seen them three or four times. They continue to play. It is not the original group. It is still a Scroggin sister or two, but mm-hmm. just phenomenal when you think about the fact. I mean, they were like, talk about DIY or DIY. I mean, they mm-hmm. were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they were kids. And so, um, so ESG, either the EP or their first album, it, it doesn't matter as long as you listen to them. I think, right. I think you, I really love them a lot. And it, and it's 40 years old, this stuff, and it sounds contemporary. Right. Nothing it really about does. It. No, listen. No. I've never been out and Moody come on and everybody's People like, don't feeling lose their shit. Moody, yeah, yeah. yeah. That and is then, the fucking shit. And then and Cherry did a great cover of it with Christian yeah. Falk. So they yeah, are yeah, really yeah. they are really a a foundational unsung but not mm-hmm. underappreciated. I mean, right. they really are a foundational act and very and still out there on the road when yeah, Robin very, it was so smart when Robin had them open for her. That was oh, yeah. so smart. Well, it says everything you need to know about Robin. Right. I mean, that's right. it says everything you need to know about Robin, that she may not be from New York, she may not be old enough to have remembered it, but she knows. And for her to give them that that shine was, I thought, just a spectacular move. Um, you have, so anyway, ESG, do you have a, another one? And then I, I do. More. Do you remember okay. back in the good old late 90s, early 2000s, where everybody was obsessed with compilations and there was compilation series there was a compilation series called Back to Mine, and this one came out in the year 2000, and it is mixed by everything but the girls, Ben Watt, and it's just a really, really fierce selection of dance tunes, some hip-hop tunes, DJ Cam's on there, Slick Rick, Beth Orton, The Amanda Project, Carl Craig, The Roots, The Deadbeats, Donny Hathaway, and it is a full fucking moment. I love this series. Uh, there's also one with Morchiba that's really, really good. So they are really good. Some are listening. It's sexy. It's vibey. And you will be finding your full life in either the back to minds, either Morchiba or everything but the girl. Well, that's highly, DJ, DJ Kicks used to do those records, mm-hmm. you know, in Palm. All right. So my last one is not an album, but Okay, so at my 40th birthday party, my friend Tom Terrell, the late Tom Terrell, I asked him to DJ. The party mm-hmm. was held at Frank's. Um, and he said, well, what do you want to hear? And I said, as far as I'm concerned, you can play Set It Off for four hours, mm-hmm. and I will be a very happy mm-hmm. and drunk woman. Set It Off by Strafe. I mean, it's just... it. You put it on if you don't if you don't dance to that song, then you really desperately need to get psychiatric help or <laughs> to see if your feet are working. First, mm-hmm. see if you have functional feet. Uh, Strafe, who is I don't want to say one hit wonder, but this is his another song that is sampled to death. Brooklyn guy, 
Set It Off came in 1984, electro kind of funk dance stuff. Every single time that song comes on, I want to dance. I lose myself on it. And then one day I'm walking down it. Well, not one day I'm walking down Atlantic Avenue. I always walk down Atlantic Avenue. And he has like a little storefront there. Nice. And um, they sell like merch and stuff. And then I went inside and I met him and he's kind of weird and kind of fabulous in his weirdness. No, listen, yeah, that's he's kind of like this little, this, this little funk hermit who lives mm-hmm. in there. But he like it's So anyway, if you've never heard Set It Off, it is on when you say like basically every compilation, like every funk I mean, dance compilation. One of those, you know how they say if you're only going to have one hit. That's have, the hit to have. Have <laughs> one of those songs that you can eat off of for the rest of your fucking life because there will always be somebody who will pay you to perform it. If no, you want to it's sing a great it. song. Yeah, and so somebody is always going to use it in a sample, in a commercial, in a movie. In a song. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it, it's it's like if lightning only struck once, it, it took down a hundred buildings with it with this song. So yeah, so Strafe set it off. Okay, so we oh, are. Hold on, wait. I have two. Because I want to give people, I want to go from this is there too. We're going to go, we're going to end on, well, actually three. We're going to end on everything that's kind of, I've been very Louis Vega sort of focused on this one because I've been a real sort of going back to the days of being in the clubs and masters of work and Louis and Kenny and playing. And I would say that Louis Vega's 2004 album, Elements of Life, is still a fucking house music now. Still sounds great. And he has a record that came out this year called Expansions in the NYC. That's so fuck. The extended versions are so good, man. Joe Clausel is on there. Orgy Wheeler and Cindy Mizell. Robin's on there. Unlimited Touch. Karen Harding. Carrie Chandler. Honey Dijon. It is just like Lisa Fisher. You know what I'm saying? Bernard Fowler. Debbie Winans. Like, it is... Vocals, moment, house, music, fierce. It's so fucking good. So if you want to dance right now, and tomorrow, well, when you're hearing this, on the 12th, Ultra Nate's new album, Ultra, is out, is out. And it is a house music. It's just a full party, not, not a ballad on there. A party from start to finish. So, you know, it's just a lot of good shit. A lot of good shit. And you guys now have a bunch to listen to. Because, you know, there's nothing else really dropping this summer that y'all need to fucking hear. I know everybody's still spinning with it. They're spinning. So we need a break. We want ice cream. We want churros. We want to try to figure out what our mayor's doing while the city's on fire. And we want to get tans and we want to go to the beach. And Amy wants to go back up to Connecticut or wherever. She goes yeah, someplace where they're like trees and birds and bad Wi-Fi. And but, <laughs> uh, and mosquitoes. And Amy got bitten alive. Uh, bitten uh, alive. But it's worth it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> alive. But, listen, it was worth it because you were like, I keep eating these. First of all, she keeps saying the ice cream is really amazing. Evidently, there's some ice cream shop that's really amazing with $6 hot fuss Sunday. Which is right hot up fuss my Sunday. Alley. And the women have a heavy pour. Let me tell you something. <laughs> it's a heavy pour. We <laughs> Candace and I were looking and going, okay, we've basically just eat, eaten a pint of a half of ice cream. I Yay! love it. Right. I know. <laughs> love Yay! it. Love All it. right. So, everybody, please have a great end of summer have a great labor day Mm -hmm. uh you know try not to um go near a monkey who has covid 
just to and, kill two birds at one stone. And, um, and check us out. Catch up on some of the episodes. And also check out a, a bunch of other shows on uh, the Pantheon Podcast Network because there's a lot there. And, yeah. you know, it's summer. I'm sure you're at your house on the lake. The kids are driving you nuts. And you're like, I need a joint and to listen to Courtney and Amy and to Pantheon. So that's what you guys need to do. We will see you in September. In September. <laughs> Bye. Bye.